Hello and welcome to HDO Football with me, Andrew Timbrell and Tom Whitford. For this week's episode, we are joined by former Premier League striker Jason Newell. We speak to Jason, now coaching at Charlton, about his transition as a player to coach, his days with the Crazy Gang and lots more. Enjoy. Welcome to HTO Football, Jason. How are you? Are you well? Back at the new normal, as it were? Um, nearly. Um, nearly the new normal, which for me would be back on the grass, coaching. I mean, we've got a possible start date for end of July, hmm. but we're obviously still waiting to get all of the protocols and everything through from the EFL and cleared by them to give us that opportunity to restart. So nearly nearly close to the the normal you must you must be all missing it trying to stay fit and healthy regardless and just sort of get out there as much as possible no i mean for me i've not it's weird and i've said this to a few people is i've not missed it but i just think it was you always going to get that time if it's during the season you get a bit of time off of the days here and there in the end of the season Mm. i've seen it as an extended holiday because I'm looking at it now in terms of when we do go back, it's going to be full on because it's yeah. going to be different to what we've had before. Mm. So I'm looking at it in a way of, okay, right, it's happened. Now it's a case of have this time off to get yourself ready and prepared for what's yeah. going to be lying ahead. So mm. on one hand, I've missed it. On the other hand, I haven't because I know what, I'm not saying I know what it's going to look like, but the possibility of what it could look like once we do go back. And you know what it's going to take. It's going to take a you know reconcerted effort. It's going to take yeah that refreshed um, perspective. Yeah, it's good looking at it. We've all had to adapt in many ways, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's what it's going to be like. I think for everybody, once we do restart, I think if we've seen it now with the Premier League and the Championship, what it looks like on the restart, and it'd be no different to yeah. to mm. us at 23s. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, Jason, you've played at the highest level. Now you're you're a coach, and you've been doing some board level work as well on your courses is there a feeling of if we can go back to right to the beginning Jason um, as a little boy what, what did football look like for you when was the first memory of kicking that ball or in the garden or Jason as a schoolboy? as all I can remember was I just always had a football and that was either from when I was at my mum's house or when I was always out with my uncle my uncle played grassroots football both uncles did and I used to be with them every Saturday and Sunday, just going football. So I can always just remember just having a, having a ball with me. And I always saw it as that is something that I wanted to do. I wanted to become professional footballer. That was always the target. That was the goal. That was a dream, however you want to, however you want to call it. But that was mm-hmm. always what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. there's no pinpoint recollection of I was aged whatever I just always knew as a kid I just always had a ball Mm. with me at my feet in my hands and that that's where I wanted to go Mm. and growing up growing up in Lambeth obviously South London boy and then yeah yeah Wolf Road I was yeah I mean in terms of the players that came from from our area Nigel uh, Nigel Quashy Rio Ferdinand Anton and then even like now you're looking at Jaden, Sancho, Reese Nelson. Mm. We're from my area as well. Carl Court, who I played with at, at Wimbledon and well, through the whole ranks at Wimbledon and went to the same school. Sean Newton was another one from my school. So we've always had... Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> it's yeah. not a bad collection of players. <laughs> it's a good menu. Yeah, I mean, we, and we've had players that haven't managed to, to 
to go all the way to the top, but others have had to finish short because of injury or going to non-league. But we've always had a good good background of footballers that's come from the area and, and gone on to be successful. Absolutely. And talking about sort of South London connection, obviously you joined Wimbledon, Wimbledon Youth, and was it the year the year of or year after they just won the FA Cup? That sort of famous Laurie Sanchez year, against um, Liverpool. Year after, so yeah. they won it in '88. I ended up going. Is that sort of the end of end of '89? I sort of got to Wimbledon. Nice. That was that's when I walked walked through the just thought, can't say training ground. Plough Lane for a training <laughs> session. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, we trained, we started off training there, which was behind the main terrace. There was concrete sort of car park or walkway out of the ground. And in one end, you had a goal. And the other end, you had like a sand pit and a goal, which was used for the goalkeeper training. So that was my introduction to pro football yeah. <laughs> which which is not a bad thing because that's what we were mm. used to playing on anyway concrete mm. we, we knew of astroturf as it was mm. but we just knew about everything we did was playing on concrete that, that, so, i suppose humble beginnings for you jason i guess as uh, going into that wimbledon youth side and as you've developed as a footballer how how, how we did that sort of start in life shape you as a, as a young player did it make you tougher and resilient and rounded Oh, totally. Um, so, see, the younger viewers obviously might not be aware of it, but it's something to, to go on Google and have a look at. Was Wimbledon were famously known as the Crazy Gang. Mm. And I joined within the mix of that and becoming a, an apprentice at 16, or so now, compared to the younger ones, which is now scholarship. Leaving school three weeks before that, you're finishing your GCSEs, you're now going into full time work you're in and amongst this crazy gang. And I say, always say it, it's, it was a school of hard knocks and the environment that I grew up in on a football point of view helped me to be the player I was. But on a personal point of view, helped me to become the person that I am now, mm. just from all the values and beliefs that mm. we had at that football club. Yes, people will look at it and the stories that came out from it of, the, the mischievousness, the borderline bullying, the attitudes that we were like, constant mm -hmm. underdogs. But it was a great breeding ground for me and many others that went on to have successful careers that came through Wimbledon. So I owe a lot to being a part of that. And even with the boys that I've walked into that building with, still very good friends now. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm talking as a 16-year-old. I mean, we... We've still got a WhatsApp group. We still meet up every Christmas, which we have done for many years. That's great. Even though some of them are a lot older than me now. <laughs> but that's just, that's just the uniqueness of the bond that we all had, that we can all still be in contact after all these years. Hmm. Um, obviously, I imagine almost worlds away from the experience of a, of a young player, particularly like we say, we go into a club that's pretty sizable, just won the FA Cup, you know, you know, top club. And yet I imagine worlds away from the experience of a, of a youth player now, um, obviously, which you've got uh, fantastic experience of. <laughs> at oh. Yeah, massively. I mean, us going in as 16 year olds, first year apprentices, you, you, you're straight into initiation. That's what it is. I mean, you've got mm. your second year scholars, who you're going to be partnering up with throughout that whole year to do to do jobs and cleaning boots, cleaning balls, making sure the pitch hasn't got dog doo doo on it. I don't know if I can swear, but 
we, we were at public training grounds. That's public. Well, our training ground was public. It mm. was Richardson Evans training field. We had four designated pitches, but anyone mm. could just walk through or pass our training session. A dog can just run past and that's how it was. So going into it, initiations and knowing what you had to do on a daily basis to make sure that you were ready on a match day. It's even as a youth team player. Mm making sure that you're ready, making sure that you've still got to do your jobs beforehand, make sure you do your jobs afterhand as much as you concentrate on your game. Mm. But when you look at what I had growing up then and to what these young boys have now, it's mm. a million miles apart, but there's, there's still one common thread. It's, it's football. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if what you've got or what you haven't got is you still need to apply yourself in the same ways to try and be successful because we can get carried away with having the whole glamorous there. But if you get lost in all of that and start mm. forgetting who you are, you can lose that, you can lose that drive. For do, sure. do you think, do you think it's harder as a coach then in, in, in some respects today to try and instill some of those same values of work ethic or to, um, team camaraderie or whatever it looks like um, when, when those trappings are sort of so, so thrown at them at such a young age? No, I mean, it could be for some, but for me, I find it, I find it quite easy to deal with because I've always said is I, I just give them the reality of football and reality of the real, of the real world. I, I don't, I, I, I can't and I won't bullshit them because mm. then I'm not doing my job properly. Mm. I can't gloss over it and make sure, make it look like everything's all pretty and what's it going to look like for you is because it, it might or it might not. Mm. And I have to be real with them because I'm not doing myself any favours. I'm not doing them any favours. Mm. So I have to tell them how it can be by trying to do the right things. Even if you do the right things, it might not. But the reality is this is what you're going to have to do and maybe more to try and be one successful at Charlton or if not somewhere, somewhere else. Mm. I think an aspect as well I wanted to sort of touch on with the whole youth player transitioning to the, 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 the pro game is I remember first few occasions where I went into men's football from 18 into 19, 20. And although clearly I didn't play at Premier League levels, I think my name's not out there like yours is. But, <laughs> but um, I, I, as a young player, I found that quite tricky in the sort of the dressing room aspect, Jason. How, how did you find that as a young player going into a dressing room with all these you know, top pros that have got big characters, charisma? And was, was that daunting or did, was that something you, that you felt you rose to? I, I, I saw it as this is where I wanted to be. Like I said, is, is at that young age, this is what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a professional footballer and I, and I managed to do that at a young age. But because of, like I said, is the values and beliefs and the way that our culture was, it's, you just went in stages. <laughs> it wasn't in a way of because I was there, I couldn't get to there because of the way that I was. I was mm -hmm. brought into that or brought up in that environment of, knowing what I need to do as an 18 year old in the coming out of under 18s into the reserves to knowing what I wanted to do or needed to do in the first team. Mm. So that transition was easy. And, and one of the things was with the culture that we had was a young player and myself, and we, we weren't allowed to get ahead of ourselves because we will get put back in our place straight mm. away. Mm. If we back chat, you're going to get told, but we was always allowed to, say something back but it had to be in a way of a constructive something it's not because you've said something to me i'm having to go back at you mm. because 
regardless of if it's on a football pitch or on the street, it's, it's being rude to an elder. So mm. you still, it's still the respect element of, yes, they're my teammate and he's older and he thinks he can talk to me in a certain way. If he does, I'm going to reply in a certain way, but it can't get to that point where we're like that because there's no good for anyone if it's that mm. way. Mm. So because of the culture I was in, it was I knew yeah. where I knew where I stood. I knew what was needed and what was wanted from me. Actually, that kind of gets me thinking about. We, Tom and I have been talking in the last few days about uh, we're big Arsenal fans, and um, oh, all three of us then. Oh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, have call, we'll have a little, we'll have a little cry after. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say we've, we've got to mention that goal at Highbury, Jason. Either. We've been talking a bit lately, the last few days of uh, Guendouzi. Um, mm. And obviously him in the news lately with his outburst at Brighton and his, the attitude problems that apparently he has. Um, is How do you think Matteo would have dealt with the crazy game? Wouldn't have lasted a day. Mm. Wouldn't have lasted a day. And that's not... That wouldn't have been in a way of disregarding what he's got talented-wise. It's, like I said, it's, it's the culture. And mm. no one is bigger than anybody else even within the group we had, people look at Vinnie Jones and think that he was the ringleader or the main man of the crazy gang. He still got put in his place if he stepped out of line. There was no one Who that did was that? Bigger. I want to know. <laughs> I can't tell you that. <laughs> I can't tell you that. But that's how it was. No one could get above themselves because mm. it, 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 just, it wasn't allowed. We were all the same people trying to achieve our own goals but within this club because we were the underdogs every time that we were stepping out on the football pitch mm. we were scheduled to lose games of football now if we're finding ourselves having people with egos in our team we're already fighting a losing battle already and we could never do that mm. so if, we, if you're looking at a Guendouzi in and amongst our our squad at that time he would, he would have been he would have been out the door mm. he would have been out the door I guess to sort of back him up, I suppose, like there's a lot, there's 20 so years have passed, maybe a little bit more. Is, what, what, can you maybe pinpoint a few areas that maybe have changed to, for that to happen? Maybe where players now wouldn't last, you know, like five seconds in the dressing room of your, of your day? Is, there, is it the wages? Is it, is it social media? Is it that the players are just finely tuned athletes now and they're not allowed to maybe have that? that confrontation I don't know uh, part of it is just the evolution of the game itself mm. and the way it changes and outside influences that can affect people we still have to look like I said I've gone into it, culture and beliefs and respects you know that are they are values not just in a football environment but in life mm. and these are the things that you have to bring with you so like I said is you could be the most talented player, but if you don't bring those beliefs and values with you, people will look at you differently. Mm. You might have a squad of 30, mm. but you might only get on with two or three of them. Mm. All of a sudden, that's not a good thing. Mm. And if, if you can come with all of those as a positive and you can have outside influences and it doesn't distract you, you can then become not saying wanted, but you can become successful and, pre and accepted amongst the group because mm. you're a good player, you've got a great attitude, 
respecting what you do and who's around you and you're doing what's up. They want to go further up the food chain. But mm. if you can't tick too many of those boxes, it's a lot harder, a lot, mm. lot harder. And it, like I said, it's, it's how we can try and do it from a society point of view, bringing that into football. It, it, can, it will make things easier. Mm. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel that sort of, you said it's obviously uh, impacted the way your, your playing career went, but now, now as a coach, um, if we got some of your young lads in, in front of us now and we said, what sort of, what sort of coach is Jason? Uh, what, what do you think they're saying? Do you think they're echoing those thoughts? What kind of, what kind of coach and, and person do you think they'd reflect back at us? They'll say that I'm honest. They'll say that I'm, I'm there for them. I want them to do well. And I always tell them that is one of the things that I always say to them is with the people around you, is I always say to I, I understand that you have your indiv- individual goals and, and, and success, but you can only get that with the person next to, from the person next to you. Mm. If he's not doing it, that's not helping you, and vice versa. So that's one of the things I always say. I always say to him is, I've had my career, and I want you to try and have a career. So you know what? Trust me. Trust me in terms of what I say and how I can help you to get where you want to get to. Mm. So I'll say to them that I'll say, if they will sit in there, they'll say, they will trust me. I'll say I'm honest and I can be a pain in the ass sometimes, but that's just because I want the Mm. best from them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In order to push people, you have to, don't you You have to run that risk, don't you on that line? Yeah. Yeah. And it's what to, I don't have to say it to too many of the boys. It's if I'm on you, it's a good thing. It's when I'm not on you, mm. then you start need to be a bit yeah. wider concerned. Mm. And some of them don't always get that because if they always see me, hear me calling their name, mm. if it's a training or in a corridor or in a canteen or mm. for anything, because you see something that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But I don't have to do that to everybody because every every mm. every player, a person's different. Mm. They always say, if I'm on you, it's a good. It's when I'm not, then you need to know that there's something wrong. Mm. And that's not always what I have to find out. It's what you have to find out. Yeah. And there's a lot you hear, don't you, in, in articles about players, like, for example, our manager at the moment, Arteta, like ex-players saying that they knew he was going to be a manager even when he was playing when it, like in his late 20s. Was, was, that, was that something that your ex-teammates would have said about you, Jason? Or was that something that did that come later on in your career? Was the, you had, I was looking over some of your your history about some shoulder injuries that you had late on in your time was, did it come early to the coaching career? Was that going to be later? How did that all pan out? No, I mean, I always said I wanted to stay in football in some capacity. We'll go back to the the first part with the players. Knowing if I would go into it, I'm unsure. I'm unsure on that. They, They would say is that it was very vocal on and off the pitch, if I played or didn't play, very outspoken in a positive and negative way if need be. So I was was always a talker and understood the game and always wanted to help myself, help the teammates. Would some of them have seen that going into management or coaching? I don't know. But I think with them seeing me doing it, then I will say, yeah, I did see that then, but would never have known it then. Mm. Because I wasn't one of those players that would be with the manager, what we're going to do here and, or 
like, listen, boys, we should get, like, get a tactic board out. And I, I wasn't one of those. I just taught the game and saw the game well. Mm. With the coaching thing is, I always said I wanted to stay in football in some capacity when I finished. And by getting to the age of 30, when people go, oh, you sort of come into the end of it, I started looking at right, media stuff and coaching. And then could I affect it in another way if it's not in football on a day-to-day, probably on the outside. So it's how I could stay in it in some capacity. So I started my coaching badges at, at 30. Mm. When, I, when I finished at 35, it was the choice of continue playing or now I've got this opportunity to go into coaching with the offer I had at Charlton. What do I do? And it was, if I played, I might have another two, three years. This opportunity at Charlton and into coaching might not be there. Mm. If I take this now, my Mm. next journey starts from now and the longevity begins. So the conscious decision was, let's start it from now because it's here, it's at the right time, it's at a good time. And it's, right, let's go through with what I'm doing. Mm. Then from that point was just needing just to keep progressing, not so much on the coaching ladder, but also on the qualification ladder. So I'd already enrolled Mm. onto my A licence at the start of that season for the following season. So that process had already started anyway. Mm. Do Do you feel very much that you're still part of that process uh, what you know without sort of prying too much and or uh, doing you out of a job at Charlton or what does your next few years look like for you do you think you know in terms of are, are you really uh, content at where you are from, from a coaching perspective would you want to take take reins of your own club so you know, that kind of thing I've always said was when I went into the coaching it was to get to the to the highest level because I'd done that and achieved it by playing now if I'm doing this route, that's, that's the path I want to take as well. So when I mentioned about the ladder in terms of not just the coaching, but on the qualifications, I've, I've done all of that. I've got all of that behind me. Mm. So I'm going down that route of if someone says to me, you need this, well, I've got that. I always wanted to be in a position where I could say no rather than somebody else saying to me, no, you haven't got a qualification or or X. So mm-hmm. it is a first team job, which we're going to look to do in, at some point. Or if it's a first team coach, I want to, I want to manage at first team level and as high as possible. One thing that will get thrown at me now, if I put my name in for a hat, in the hat for a job, would be, well, you haven't got any experience. Well, how am I going to get that experience if mm-hmm. I'm not given the opportunity? Yes. So with all the qualifications that you've got, all of the playing experience that you've got, the only thing that can really get thrown at you is, would be, you're not for me, or you ain't got the experience. Mm. But opportunity, you get to know someone better, and you actually get to know how someone is going to be doing during that experience of the opportunity they get. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you think there's an element then of, you see some managers getting big roles very early. We talked, spoke about Arsenal, we're speaking about Arteta. That's obviously his... His first manager position is um, well, head coach of Arsenal. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on whether you think that a is appropriate that players can walk into huge jobs, or 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 b would you would you have wanted to do that? You know, you've kind of gone and got your badges and and kind of like you said, part of a process and gone through that ladder to actually so you can feel equipped to push back on any given situation. 
and, and actually, therefore, is it right that just because they may have played for a club, you know, Gerard walking in at Rangers, people talking about him getting the Liverpool job, when really, you know, is that right necessarily? It's, I mean, some, some players already have their futures mapped out in terms of where they're going. So Arteta did a lot of coaching, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but you just mentioned Gerard there. For everything that he's achieved at Liverpool, he was always going to get talked of. Mm. He's going to become Liverpool manager. He'll get that job eventually, won't he? Yeah, regardless <laughs> even if he didn't want to go into management. Yeah. But it's, he's got talked of, well, he's going to be manager of Liverpool one day. So all of a sudden, his retirement plan is mapped out for him. And that is the same as other players. I've cho- chose this route because I want to give myself the best opportunity to try and get a job. Mm. We, we can look at it in terms of lack of black coaches and managers of getting opportunities. Again, I want to try and give myself the best opportunity for that role. Mm. And my future or my retirement wasn't planned out of, well, I'm an ex-player, I'm going to do coaching and I'm going to be manager of Wimbledon. I'm going to be manager of Charlton or middle clubs I've played at. Mm. It's not mapped out the retirement plan for me. For Mm. other players, it is. Mm. So my thing is I'm doing it because that's where I want to get to. And if it's me doing it as the second, third, fourth, fifth black coach, whatever it may be, happy days because it's an opportunity for me and hopefully an opportunity for others that are going through my pathway to Mm. get the opportunity. I'm thinking of someone like Sol Campbell, Jason, who recently has obviously just been dismissed from South End. I thought he did a good job at Macclesfield, actually. What are your thoughts about Sol Campbell? Because I know that I know a lot of people in the industry have been saying that with his CV, and rightly so, he, he could be starting off at a higher level where he did. Um, but that might have been his choice to, to go in at Macclesfield to sort of sharpen his teeth. But what do you think about our ex, our ex gunner? No, it's, it's, like I said, it works differently for different people. Like Sol may not have had, like I said, the retirement plan in play. Like so, with him being at Tottenham and going to Arsenal, no one <laughs> probably would have said, "Oh, he's going to go and be Arsenal's next manager in t- or Arsenal's manager in time." He when he wanted to win a double though, didn't he? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. He, he could have had but, it mapped out at Spurs, but then you know. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, even for him, he might have seen it as this is the path I want to go into coaching. It might have been a late decision of mm. manage, sorry, coaching or managing. Mm. And did he put his name in the hat for other jobs? We don't know. If he did, then there should be questions of, well, why didn't he? For someone that has that same calibre of record or career, similar mm. to a Gerard, similar to mm. a Lampard, no, even to yeah. Scott Parker, someone like that, mm. is, well why didn't he get an opportunity? He probably looked at it as, well, if I'm not going to get an opportunity at the top, I'm going to take one at the bottom. I just want to give myself an opportunity to see what this is like. I want to try and build something at a club. Yes, he went in when they were 10 points off of it, managed to, to stay up. Mm. Didn't get a chance to build, but he had the, the experience, but he got the opportunity first. Mm. But should he, should he have probably got a higher position? We, we don't know. I suppose based on the current climate, I guess he should have, I suppose. But yeah, right or wrong or not. Um, yeah. 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 I think coaching at the moment, there's this feeling of 
managers not ha- having enough time to even settle into a to a club. Mm. What's the? I mean, the average tenure now is probably we're looking at around about seven or eight months, maybe in in some leagues. And um, there's so much turnover, isn't there? Well, how, how do you feel about that? Is that is that something you would you worry about that going into the managerial game? That that, that one minute you 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 because you, you you strike me as someone that's really like dedicated and gr- are really earning their stripes, Jason. But when you get to a club and then within three or four months there's pressure on you already because you haven't won you haven't won a home game in a month or something, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden. People are calling for your neck, aren't they? No, I've, I've, I've prepared for that. I've prepared in a way of knowing what it could look like. I've been in the academy side of the game eight seasons now. And I've always said is, unless you do something stupid, that's how you lose your job. Because there is security there. If you mm. do the right things you're, in terms of, behavior but also in terms of what your job description is and what's being asked of you if you're ticking those boxes for me if it was i need to get players into our first team i need to get players on loan i need to win titles and trophies i'm Mm. doing all that so i could get longevity and security in that role i know that once i come out of that and take that jump i know what it's going to be like and you have to you can't prepare yourself for it until I believe it happens Mm. but you've got to have an understanding of these are the possibilities that could happen but if you start thinking on that route you're already going in putting yourself under even more pressure yeah yeah do you think that that pressure um is it something that you know you as an individual relish because like you said when you broke into that team so if you you know young Jason would have looked at all those top pros the crazy gang people got 10-15 years on you probably two or three stone on you and weight probably the bigger voice in that change room all of that sort of stuff <laughs> and actually you looked at that and thought do you know what I want a bit of that um and does that modern game the role of a modern head coach where potentially they have less influence than a, an old manager might have had in, in the 80s 90s where they kind of run the, the other elements of the club as well is it something you still want a piece of or actually is there a satisfaction level where you can sort of nurture and grow talent with a bit of that time that actually is probably maybe slightly more appealing than, than being at the, no, the like I said is, I would, I'd be, I'd be I looking at that coach role thinking it looks cushy. I'd be looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like I said, I want to get to the top. I want to get as high as I can in, in the game as a coach or a manager. And as a player, you know, I love pressure. That's 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 what football is. I, I was a player that never got nervous before games because it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to be out on the grass. I wanted to play. I wanted to score goals in front of fans. Never felt nervous going into it. Never felt pressure because if you feel pressure, you put more pressure on yourself. You've just got to go in it as, I know what I need to do. I know what's being asked of me. Go and do it. That's, good. that's the same way I'm looking at it as a coach. Every day on the grass, going into a game on a Monday, most of the times when we play, it's I put the pressure on myself in terms of I want us to play better than last week. That's the only pressure I would put on myself. Mm. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a person who's thinking there's pressure on me. I'm one who's putting pressure on myself. If we've won this week and we've won the week after, I'm looking at okay, well, in the two wins that we had, where did we go wrong? What did we do well at? Because I want myself to keep being better and I want them to keep being better. And that's going to be the same if I get the opportunity of playing, so coaching at that level of wanting to keep doing well all the time. Pressure is a brilliant thing to have because Mm -hmm. you get to find out a lot more about yourself and how you deal with it. 
Yeah. Because every every game is a different game of football. Mm. Yeah. Every moment on the pitch is a different moment on the pitch. Mm. Even comes you're arguing with referees. Much as I hate arguing with referees, sometimes you have to. But it's what do I get out of that after I've had that argument or like that little rant at him? What's my emotional state like? Am I then putting pressure on myself to have to do better for the team? Or so it's yeah, so but I, I see it as the pressure, it's gonna come with it. Mm. it. It might come even more from other areas of it's another black coach, we haven't got too many of them. Would the spotlight now be on me even more because it's you're the next mm. black coach out there? Mm. Again, wouldn't phase me. It's it is what it is. I can't dictate what everyone else thinks. I can only manage and control what's what I can control. Mm. And, I, and I guess, like you said, if you're the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh black manager to make that in the Premier League, well, it doesn't kind of to you. It doesn't make a difference because ultimately, for you, you're you're preparing yourself to achieve what you can achieve. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. Um, talking of pressure, we're going to we'll quickly uh, we'll, we'll touch on Charlton before we go in terms of some big pressure games coming up in the next few weeks and then the first team. But <laughs> a- Andrew's going to put you under a little bit of pressure and fire some. Uh, we're going to have a little rapid counter attack sort of uh, seven or eight quick fire questions and you can answer some quick answers. Um, but hopefully mm-hmm. some fun. Hopefully some fun ones. Right. Okay. So first up, best Premier League goal scored by Jason Yule. I would say. My first league goal for Charlton because the go in there is record signing. Yeah, yeah. Again, you talk about pressure. Yeah. Hadn't scored, hadn't scored in the league for a while. Got rested by curbs because he thought the pressure was on me. Outrageous. And then, yeah, was, yeah. But then just getting that that first Premier League goal. Nice. We were, we were actually just looking at the other day, weren't we, Tom, about the transfer record fee, Jason? Is that I think that might still be the record, club still, record. It's apparently it still stands as a cash payment, but because <laughs> when Bentley went to Tottenham, I think there were oh. some add-ons on there, and it might oh. have. But people are still going that uh, it is what it is because it's a cash payment and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but, yeah, I'm, I'll take I'm it. surprised that's still standing, Jason, to be honest, with the modern game. Yeah, <laughs> so many years later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, killing our, you're killing our rapid questions, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This, this happens after every first Side question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, go. <laughs> next one. Best manager you've played under? Oh, um, I've not got a best because they're all, they're all. I've got a worse. I'll go worst. Yeah, go worst. More controversial. We yeah. just won't tag him in the tweet. Egg <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Okay. <laughs> Favourite coach in the modern game? Oh, goodness. Um, in terms of on the touchline, we got yeah. manager or coach here. Either or. Either or. Either or. Um, best, I'd say Pep. Just say Pep. It's easy. Mm, yeah. So this is an interesting one. True or false, Jason Yule? Jason Yule has scored the most Premier League goals of a player beginning with E as their surname. True. I get that one through on Google. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 50, 50, yeah. yeah. Who, who was next? Do you know? Yeah. No, but I always know that. It comes up like Ewell, Earl, Akuku. Yeah. Um, Ekiog's name gets put up there. Who else yeah. is there as well? I think it's Akoku. I think Akoku's second with 52. Akoku's second, yeah. yeah. You, just, you just sneaked him though, that's fine. Right. 
this is a deal. This is always a deal breaker. To most, we could end the meeting on this one if it goes wrong. <laughs> Messi or Ronaldo? I'm Messi. Good man. So where are you? We're still, we're still recording. Messi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'm Messi. Most exciting under twenties, under twenty ones English player coming through that we need to look out for. Or your favourite? Because you know the, there's so many great ones at the moment. Isn't there. Mm. You got another question? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. That's, that's a it, difficult. Yeah. That's difficult. That's a difficult one. Yeah. There's yeah. there's there's a lot a lot of good ones coming through. I mean, obviously, got... as an Arsenal fan, you, you know, you've got to go Saka. But but I'm not. I don't want to lead you. I don't want to lead you. <laughs> <laughs> Just like. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I worked with Bakayo. Worked with Bakayo. No, again, another another good one. Mm, yeah, we're we're, it, it, we're in a great position at the moment. England, yeah, we are. The amount of young talent we've got. Uh, the thought of Foden, Saka, Trent, Greenwood. It just it looks pretty. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then the last one, we've got three dinner guests or takeaway round at yours. You've got in the football business, dead or, dead or alive. alive. Who are you going for? Dream dinner guests. Um. I would go here, right? Go righty. Yeah. Because that would be jokes as well. Plus, I'm waiting for him to become an Arsenal hero. manager as well. <laughs> yeah, well, it, never, it, it, would be, it would probably be a car uh, crash, but I love Ian. He's my child, childhood hero. Yeah. So. It, has to, it, has, it has to be righty. It has to be him. Um, Pele. Hmm. And, you know, and I would say Glenn Oddle as well. <coughs> hmm. Because mm. he was always, if you ask me, who's your favorite? Who's the players you looked up to? Wrighty mm. was one as a centre forward, Glenn Oddle's centre midfielder, and John Barnes as a left midfielder. Because mm. yeah. centre midfielder and left midfield positions that I grew up playing. Right, okay. I only played as a centre forward for Wimbledon when I joined them. Mm. So from the age of where it was until 16. Mm. Every position I played in was as left midfield and centre mid, and they're the two mm. I'd, I'd looked looked at. I mean, nice players feeding you and righty, wouldn't it? Hold oh, <laughs> on, Barnes just yeah. feeding you, and you, you'd yeah, probably score hundred a year. A bit of a dream, wouldn't it? Hundred <laughs> a year. I mean, you, um, you you touched on you touched on your well, we we brought it up earlier, but the Arsenal links your goal at Highbury. How was that, Jason? What was that like? Turn up for the books four two. I mean, you that, that, oh. no, that day, didn't you? <laughs> I just I've got I've got a picture. Well, I've got a picture on the wall when. Klaus scored his chip. I've got, yeah. I've got that on my wall here with Henri bending over, just looking at us celebrating. Just I wonder what he was going to say then. Do you know what, what I, I see? It, people always say, oh, what's it like when you're playing against Arsenal and you support them? And I'm like, well, it's just work. And that's, that's how I saw it as. I don't see it as because mm. it's them I've got to play differently. It's, mm. it's work and it's just one of those scenarios where mm. It just went our way. I mean, we could have been four or five down by the time they scored. The, the time we scored, but yeah. it was just one of those days where I think worked for us. But I thought that, I thought that was our double season, wasn't it? Was it was our double. It season, was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, because I, I remember yeah. watching that, thinking, "What is going on here?" Like, I was going to say, it didn't really hold us yeah. back. Didn't hold us Never back. Never letting no, goals anyway. Yeah. It didn't slow. Yeah. It didn't slow us down. <laughs> it slow went on down. to win the double. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Charles, right, so sorry, sorry. Yeah, go for it. Quick, quick story on that as well. I had done um, an advert for Orange about a couple of months before that, mm. where I was seen celebrating a goal 
at high, people that knew what Highbury looks like yeah. would know I was running out of that stadium. So it was, the advert was about me celebrating a goal, running through the streets, a fan gets the text message on his phone and then we both celebrate together. So it was about the new text message mm. service when the goal scored. Mm. So everyone knew that that stadium was Highbury that I run out of. Mm. So that came out in the cinemas and on TV. And then two, three weeks later, I'm actually doing the actual thing. So yeah, <laughs> even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah re real life. Yeah, prophetic there. Well, it's lucky. I think that we we were just short of our O2 days um, with Dreamcast because otherwise that really would have been good, isn't it? Orange Mobile, actually, <laughs> you scoring a Highbury yeah. and then losing losing to a phone rival brand uh, would have been perfect for Orange, I think. Um, quickly, if we can, just touch on Charlton and their current um, current situation mm -hmm. in the Championship. Bit of a battle going on there. Big game tomorrow as well. It's. I mean, what works for us, I hope at the moment, obviously, because Luton and Huddersfield are playing. You would either want Huddersfield to to win, which pushes them further out of the way and puts Luton further in in danger, mm. or more certainty to to yep. go down. But we've just got a team in Reading tomorrow where you don't know what type of Reading is going to turn up. They're a team at the moment that got nothing to play for, but on a flip, they have got something to play for because it's. Mark Bones, a newish manager, but they're all still playing for places for next mm. season. Mm. Go to Birmingham, are also down there. Wigan are going to be fighting for their lives. And you've got Leeds that could be looking to win the title. So mm. it's for every game's got a meaning to it. So yeah. I think if we can see a, a result that works in our favour tonight, I think that should help us going into tomorrow's game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting to say that about the nothing to play for. I think in years gone by, when there's been teams with nothing to play for, the big reason is that is, is the crowd. You can go and it could be a flat atmosphere and the team that really wants mm. it or needs it, yeah. um, you know, they, their fans really can help them get over the line. And at the moment, obviously, A, no fans, but, you know, B, teams got nothing to play for. It's very hard to predict what kind of team are going to turn up. Mm. You know, they yeah. might really have shackled off and actually play some really good stuff. Reading have played some really good stuff at times this year. Um, and then, but other, other you know, but equally, it could easily go the other way, couldn't it? Just to quickly, uh, another club close to your heart, obviously 18 years, isn't it? I think since the Plough Lane return is on the cards, Jason, that must be quite emotional for you. No, it is. I mean, I've done something the other week regarding this as well, and it's, it's always been a long time coming. Obviously, mm. with what's going on at the moment, has put things on hold. But when I spoke to them a while ago, a few people at the club, is that, it may be looking at trying to get there as soon as they can. Right. You, sometimes you look and think, well, if you're not going to have any fans at the stadium, you know, just drag it out a little bit longer because something mm. could be different in the new year. Like it could be yeah. January, could be your first home game if fans are allowed back in the stadium. Mm. But I, I've, I went past there two weeks ago and it's, it's looking good. From the side that I drive, you see more of the development of the, of the houses and flats. Mm. But just knowing that it's a stone's throw away from the actual player lane. Mm. It's just, it's been a long time coming and fair play to all the fans that have just stuck by it, of yeah, wanting definitely. to bring, bring them back home. Yeah. Well, that could be a nice one though. Imagine you lead the troops out, player lane, when they, make, when they hit the Premier League, that's Jason, you're your manager there. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say playing. No, 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 no. Leave <laughs> yeah. him out. Leaving the troops out of his armband. On. Yeah. I was... <laughs> you just snatch it. You say, look, just for, for, the, for the first two minutes, then you'll sub yourself off with the, with the five subs. With the five subs, you've got to, you're allowed. No, but that, might, that could be the that could be the five years time, couldn't it? That'd be pretty nice, pretty special all round. Yeah. No, it um, will be, will be. Jason, that's been a fantastic chat. Yeah, thanks really for your time, mate. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, Top no, I loved that. it. No, so take care and all the best. Yeah, wish no John well thanks, the rest guys. of the season. Yeah, Cheers, wish John well. Take care. Nice to meet you. See you Bye, later. Care, Bye. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Many thanks again to Jason for that fantastic chat. Tom and I wish him well for the future at Charlton and beyond. For more information, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at HTO Football. Feel free to leave your comments on this episode. Uh, take care, guys. Yeah.